Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt Where podcast. To hunt it's, it's, okay. It's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Howdy, and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is January 14th. It's Tuesday. It's 2020. This is also the okayest podcast in the Midwest. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for returning. Thanks for joining or whatever. If it's your first time, welcome to the podcast. If you're a longtime listener, we appreciate you coming back uh, week after week. Any reviews and ratings you folks want to give us, that'd be great. Uh, I like seeing them on iTunes, but we'll take them anywhere we can get them. Uh, there's a meow in the room. That's Gus, the cat, and I'm not going to kick him out. So we're just going to keep rolling with this. <laughs> uh, this week, we talk with guest King Kurt, a.k.a. Kurt Geyer with the Working Class Bullhunter podcast. He's one of the OGs of podcasting. He's been doing it for five years consistently and just been killing it. Had a bang up year in 2019. Just a super great year. So we chat about where he is, where he's gone, what he's done, what stood out. He'd been to uh, Nebraska, to Oregon, and then did some creepy ass hunting in Illinois. So it's a fun episode. Greg and I kind of, you know, just have some fun with it. And, and Kurt's a great guy. He's been on the show before. I've been on their show before. And I thought it'd be a fun way to start off the new year talking about some of the huge things he had accomplished in 2019. So still on that new year kick for the month of January. And, um, you know, before we get into it, though, call out to our sponsors. We got uh, Backwoods Grind Coffee. So it's backwoodsgrind.com. If you enter in code W2H podcast, you can save 10% off on their coffee. I recommend the sampler packs. That way you can try a bunch of their blends and see what you really like and then go buy the whole bag. And if you go to their website, backwoodsgrind.com, you will notice, this is no joke, that their website smells like the best damn coffee beans you could imagine. Now, they're ground up because I think the ground up coffee beans smell better than, you know, the non-ground up kind. Anyway, let's switch boots. And I really do hope that some of you that have been listening for a long time have at least considered switching boots and going into a pair of Gumleaf boots. If you head on over to Gumleaf USA, gumleafusa.com, um, you can enter in code. We're still running the code uh, W2H2019, but you're going to get free shipping on their boots. Um, you know, I, they're very comfortable. They're very durable. They're 85% natural rubber. Um, they're handmade from scratch. It's a big deal. The price tag, I think, um, I don't think it's a lot. Some people might, but it doesn't, it's not more than what you'd expect to pay at a big box store. And you're just getting so much more quality. These things are going to last a lot longer. They're going to get you a lot further. So, Go ahead and check those guys out. They got a really cool video that they run on their homepage. And uh, it's definitely one of those kind of like, I don't know, 
trancing videos where you, you just watch it and you're like entranced or whatever. I don't know why I can't think of what that word is. In a trance? In a trance? Hmm. Well, that's that. And then we're going to welcome our newest sponsor to the show, Musket Powder. This is homemade, camp tested. It's a seasonal. And, uh, you know, you completely cover your meat and then uh, cover a little bit more. So this stuff goes great on anything. I've put it on eggs. I put it on venison. I put it on basically everything I'm cooking. You can even use it for your Bloody Mary brim. Uh, it's incredible. Highly recommend them. And every week now we're going to be doing a recipe of the week. Um, so please send us your recipes anywhere you can send where to hunt a message, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, our email, which is where the number two, the word hunt, wi at gmail.com. You can go to the website and enter in a form post submission, whatever you want to do. We want to collect those recipes so we can share and every recipe entry that we get on a weekly basis qualifies to win musket powder seasonal. If you want to not share a recipe, and still get a discount. You can go to musketpowder.com, enter in code W2H podcast, and you're going to get a BOGO. That means buy one, get one. You buy one, you get another one to give to a buddy. That's what I got for sponsors. We're going to get into our recipe of the week. The recipe of the week. The recipe of the week is brought to you by musket powder. Completely cover, then add a little more. Camp tested. You hear that? That's the sound of tastiness. Hey, so Greg's got a recipe of the week to kick us off. Uh, we're going to take a recipe of the week every week. So please submit your recipes and we'll share it on the show so we can all eat like, you know, good food. Um, and then every single person that submits a recipe gets entered to win musket powder seasonal seasoning, um, which is homemade, by the way, by Ward Danger. Greg, you use this at deer camp. I did use it at deer camp um, to season up our... I actually did two venison roasts to feed the entire hunting party, which consisted of, what, six of us, I believe? It was a total of six humans. Yeah, so I think I had four or five pounds of venison there, which is probably more than enough because we did have some venison sandwiches the next day. But real simple. Um, and with venison, I think the more simple you make it, the better it is. It's just how I feel. But your two roasts all thawed out. Um, take and cover the roasts in musket powder seasoning. Get a pan. I used that get ugly cast iron pan that they had there at the cabin. And uh, just put about, I don't know, a quarter inch of vegetable oil in it. Some You need an oil that has a high sear point. So vegetable oil. Um, olive oil? Is that okay? Uh, no, don't don't use olive oil. That stuff burns real fast. No, that's good so, to know. Yeah, so if you want to, you just want to sear the outside of that roast. It's going to be completely raw in the middle. You get a nice sear on the outside. So by searing it, what you're doing is locking in the juices, locking in the flavors, and, and allowing that to just hold everything so that way there it doesn't dry out. You wouldn't think that would be the case when you're searing something because you're burning it, you're drying it out. You're just putting a crust on the outside. So we dusted that that roast real quick with a, a healthy dose of musket powder, got it in that hot pan, seared it on all sides, and then in the slow cooker, I had some vegetables also chopped up ahead of time. It was an on, it was two onions. Oh gosh, it was probably three pounds of potatoes and a bunch of garden grown carrots. And I didn't even I didn't even. Uh, peel those carrots i just took those carrots cleaned them up real nice cut them up and threw them all in the slow cooker with our seared roasts 
and put a can of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer on it. You can use whatever you want. You can use water if you want to. I did use a can of beer, and then as it cooked down, I did add water to it later. Um, and then the next day, we had a roast when we came back from deer hunting. I took the juice that it had in it, and I boiled it down into a gravy by adding some cornstarch. You can use flour, too, to thicken it. It gets real lumpy, but cornstarch and water, and I did make a little gravy with it and put it right over the top of the, the meat and potatoes. Pretty simple. It was pretty delicious. Thank you. Yeah, that's the recipe of the week. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Musket Powder. Thank you, Musket Powder, for making such a delicious and nutritious powder. I feel like this is the scene from the Talladega Nights. It could be. Dear baby Jesus. Dear baby Jesus. Thank you for musket powder. Dear eight pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus. <laughs> I like Thank the baby version best. God dang it. <laughs> All right. You're going to have to cut that out. Nah, we'll see. All right, let's go ahead and bring our guest of the week on. Welcome to the show, everybody. Kurt Geyer with the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Who we got on the phone with us today? What's up, Kurt? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's always great having another podcaster as a guest because, you know, you know how to you know how this goes. You know what's up. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll sit through it. You got to make your uh, got to make your money. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> as right. honest as it is. Hey, for those of you guys, hey, it's free content, so you got to cover your ground. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. <laughs> Doing this shit for my health. Well, I am getting drunk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, getting real healthy. Kurt Geyer is with the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. The OGs the original podcast, the ones that I look up to, and uh, you've been doing it for quite some time, man. Why don't you introduce yourself? Well, first of all, thank you, man. Uh, but yeah, Kurt Geyer, working class bow hunter, now uh, kind of one of the co-hosts of the DeQuisto Series podcast also. Um, been podcasting for going on five years now and put out one a week and having a good time. Are you doing one a week or are you doing fucking ten a week? <laughs> Always one a week. Sometimes anything over one is a bonus. Like we put out three today from ATA. We're planning on putting out three tomorrow from ATA, and then we'll see what the rest of the week holds. That's kind of nice then, though. Now you're ahead of the game a little bit, so your barrel's been kind of filled. I know you and I have jammed a bunch of times, but we can't seem to get my shit out to the public because <laughs> technology sucks. Yeah. And I know how that goes better than anybody, believe me. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it goes really smooth, and then sometimes you just can't win. And I mean, I still will launch an episode and be like, "Ah, oh, shit, I messed that up. I got to go back in and fix it." But it's uh, I mean, we're working class, right? Let's keep that in our name. So every time we mess up, that's our fallback. That's kind of nice. That's see, so I'm not doing anything too dissimilar with the okay stuff, right? The okay. No, it's perfect. And you're part of the intro Great. now. Actually, you hooked it up at Deer Camp. I brought around some little like portable mic thing that I bought. And you said it was decent, and I take that as one hell of a compliment. Oh, yeah, of course, man. Thanks for throwing me in there. Yeah, we just rolled that out in the last episode. The the first episode of the new year, I stabbed myself in the freaking hand with this screwdriver because my computer wouldn't boot for like 10 minutes before we were going to record. Leave it to you to impale yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, technology. So, all right, so you've been doing that for five years. You got the whole working class crew. You guys got all sorts of fun stuff. Um you just migrated studios, so you're going to be working on that in February from what it sounded like when we were chatting offline a little bit. That's got to be exciting. Yeah, man, that's the plan. It's, uh, you know, get everyone together one day, knock out the studio. I mean, 
I mean, it's functional now. Like I'm sitting in it now with all the equipment and everything. We've been recording several episodes, but um, I mean, when I say like get to redo it, I'm like you know tuck in wires, add outlets, redo the walls, soundproof the thing, and make it uh, make it guest worthy. I won't. Yeah, make it real. Right, make it official. I won't feel as bad when people drive three hours to come do a podcast instead of them coming to a messy shithole. <laughs> What do you do? You have people stay with you, actually, because I've been having more of that where people come to us now, thanks to Gregor here. And uh, do you got people that like you have a guest room? You're like, hey, you can crash on my couch because I'm sure you guys get pretty trashed recording with the working <laughs> class. And then, like, are they gonna they're not gonna drive three it's hours. Just back. light beer. It's not Shabine or anything else like that. Right? The hard Gosh. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's always an option. If you come here and you drink beer and you need to stay, I mean, it's the studio is like kind of set up to be, you know, we got a nice comfy cot and I got a big screen TV in here now and make yourself at home. And, oh, shit. You know, yeah, of course, that's always an option. Like sleep in the studio and get comfy, man. Um, but, if, you know, most times it's not an issue like responsible adults and it's Steve we have to worry about all the time. That's, that's it. Well, I was, I was asking for a friend, you know. If you come down to record a podcast in studio, you are more than welcome to stay the night, man. That's good to know because I don't want to like overdo it, but I would probably, I think if I'm around you guys, if it's anything like like when I was around D-Rock, like a different version of me comes out. Like the, the, I actually believe it or not, have some sort of swearing filter applied right now, (laughs) but somehow when I'm around you guys, it gets real out of control. Well, I'll tell you this, that, when people are normally in studio, especially people that have a drive, we don't do like a 45 minute to an hour episode. Like most times they're two to three hour episodes and we're just having a good time and, and cutting up what it's all about. Yeah, that is good stuff. Giving their money's worth. It's really about the experience. So tell us about, dude, like you had, for those that follow along, perceivably like one hell of a 2019. I honestly couldn't keep up. And so I'm really glad that you're here now to talk about it so I can actually understand how much you actually bit off and chewed last year. Um, what has that been like? What did you do? Where did you go? And then we'll wrap up, you know, at the end of all this with your most memorable hunt, maybe from 2019. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, well, I'll just run through my year quickly, like the the highlights, and then whatever you are interested in hearing more details on, we can, we can go there. Um, I had my first kid in May. Um, I had a daughter, um, her name's Isla May. So kicked off the season. Well, you know, started the trade show season. My wife was a trooper, came like full blown pregnant to that, had Isla May, uh, the beginning of May. Wow. And then we, uh, basically did that, put our house up for sale, sold our house. I left for an antelope hunt in South Dakota. The day I got back, we moved. And then a week later, I left to Oregon on a mule deer hunt with uh, the good people at Loophold Optics. And then got back from that and hunted my ass off for whitetails. And uh, and just now slowing down only to get cranked back up into trade shows again. So I'm not really even moved into my house. Your wife has got to be my year, man. Like the most saintiest saint of all saints that's ever been a saint. <laughs> She's pretty awesome. I, I no complaints. She also, I mean, she knows I'm passionate about all this and care about it, and which is why I like hustle so hard for it. Um, and I, like, you know, it's not like the rest of the year I'm watching football and like going to the yeah. bar during the week and shit like that. So she gets that it's something I'm passionate about, and she's super understanding of it. 
and she really likes to eat deer meat, so it's, it all pays off there. <laughs> Sounds like we're going to have to get you some musket powder. Yeah, I'll check it out. That's pretty incredible, man, and the fact that she supports you so you can go do those things. Like, I got one like that, too, and I think Greg does, too, and it, it yep. makes all the difference. Us Certainly. passionate dipshits, like we chase dreams and or <laughs> in big whitetails, and, and they just kind of put up with us and, and make sure everything's okay at home with the kids and all that stuff. It's pretty incredible. So, you know, this is definitely an episode that I'm going to, like, tell Holly she should listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. I couldn't do it without her, man. Like she's watching our kids right now every single Tuesday, man. It's a it's a blessing. So, I mean, let's just lay that foundation down. And now that that's been something that your wife's able to do for you, um, to like talk about some of those experiences. What was it like going with Leopold to to hunt? Like, what was the antelope hunt? Like, what was it like to hunt a different game? Yeah, man, it was cool. I um I went on the antelope hunt with my buddies from Buckstorm Production. They have a uh, they do like a film production out of South Dakota and they're hunting everything, like anything you can. And by the way, there's everything to hunt in South Dakota. It's pretty cool. But, uh, sure. I met them through the show, um, through the podcast and every year, uh, for the last two years, we've gone on a hunt and we're going to plan another hunt this year. Um, it's like, Hey, why don't you come out and hunt antelope? And I've always been like really fascinated by antelope because there's nothing else that like looks like them. And they almost, for people who don't know what they are, they almost look like some weird African animal a little bit. Um, and I just think they're, they're beautiful and I was excited to try the meat. And, um, so I went out there and practiced my longer range shots. We were doing spot and stock archery. Um, so I was practicing my 50, 60, 70 yard shots just, uh, just in case, you know, and, uh, I honestly got pretty lucky. We found one first morning in a perfect situation and snuck in on them and made a 50 yard shot and pretty much rolled them in his tracks right there. And it was awesome, man. We had antelope backstraps in camp and then the rest of the trip we chased another antelope for my dad and got him close he shot at one and missed and we just couldn't close the deal but it was like the full-blown experience of antelope hunting it was it was really cool dude they, they, they you said it very like the fact that they, they feel like an african animal to you or something like that that's what i think of too i don't know why that is well it's the color scheme and there i think it's the color like them yeah, it's the coloration and how fast they can move across the plains. Yeah, they feel really exotic. Yeah, the plains and the prairie, they, you know, the, the area they call home, they can blend in and disappear or blend in really well. And, you know, all they got to do is turn one way and you see that big white rump patch in the air. So, it's, yeah, they're, they're kind of a neat animal. Yeah. The, the meat's pretty darn out. It was cool. From what I understand. I loved it. I really did. I'd say it's up there. I'd say it's up there with whitetail. I don't want to say I liked it better because I don't want to do that to my 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 golden child of whitetails. <laughs> but it was it was good, man. It was really really good. Um, I'm excited. I still have a bunch of it. We're gonna we're gonna do a bunch of stuff with it. And but I I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed that hunt because I I learned a lot from hunting in that terrain because. It's not like you have timber to hide through and sneak through and get up on them, and they're wiry sons of bitches. So you're using, like, every little crease or a bush that sticks up a foot taller and everything else, and it really it really makes you think about how you move and what how you use the terrain to move in on them. So it kind of takes your, like, ninja skills to just another level. Um, and the next thing you know, it's like you're not even 100 yards away, and they're gone. And you're like, how did, what? I'm not even close. They, sometimes they're I just don't give you the time of day at all. Yeah, their eyesight's yeah. ridiculous. 
almost felt cool sniping it. How did, what, did anything like translate from whitetail hunting to that? I mean, it sounds like not really. Um, I don't know. I guess if you don't have a general sense on how to hunt with a bow, you're going to be screwed no matter where you go. So I think, you know, a little bit of it applied. I'd say like wind direction's huge. Like that would probably be the main thing. Um, wind for sure. But I mean, you know, it's just like if you didn't really have like the years and years of experience of hunting, you'd have a lot harder time, I think, going out to chase them because he's certain way to walk, certain way to move, how to check the wind. And um, I guess it's kind of hard to explain, but I would say wind would be the biggest thing that carries over. But that's that's pretty universal no matter what you're hunting. Makes sense. So in one of the comments that just came through is actually from my aunt, uh, Roz. She said antelope remind her of impalas that she saw in Africa. I think that's why I was thinking Africa. I was thinking antelope and Paula. They're the same thing, but they're, they're not. No. They're, they're yeah, yeah. They are quite similar. I'm thinking of that like springy, boingy, hopping, running, you know, <laughs> craziness. They don't, do the animals do that? Are they like, yeah, they, are they like the Impala where they're jumping like freaking 20 feet in every, they don't, they more run. No, yeah, they, they don't, don't jump. Really hop. They don't jump. They, they don't jump fact, at they all. They don't even jump. Yeah, they won't jump a fence. They'll crawl under a fence. So they won't jump a bunch of freaking lead sacks out there, huh? It's just the way they, they are. are. That's how they're wired. Huh. Yeah, they're just built for speed. They, uh, that's what they do. So what was funny is my buddy Jeremy's up there. He grew up around him in South Dakota, and we're sitting there. We were glassing from the truck while actually my dad and uh, our other buddy Travis were spot. We were watching them from the road and filming them, and a, a goat was going through up to the fence. He goes, oh, watch this goat's going to go underneath the fence, and it jumped the fence, and he came unglued. He's like, oh, my God, it jumped the fence. I've never seen one jump before. Like, So it was kind of funny. I'm like, oh, shit. It was cool though. That's pretty yeah. wild. Okay, so there was antelope, and then what? What was next after that? Uh, I went to Oregon uh, for mule deer, Eastern Oregon. Um, that had to be, and that that was crazy. It was, it was, it was cool. It was, it was quite the experience. I uh, I went out to Beaverton, Oregon, which is near Portland. That's where like the Loophole headquarters is, and got a tour of the Loophole factory and. Got to meet meet a bunch of people from the company. Um, we did some podcasts on the Loophole uh, Insider podcast and then did the five-hour drive east and set up in camp. And I brought my bow and everything. Uh, I flew out there. And right when I got there, everyone's like, good luck, man. You're going to have a hell of a time with that bow. Like, archery season's over. They've been pressured. They've been uh, – I think there was a couple of gun seasons before. They've been shot at. They've, it's going to be tough. Uh, so I was kind of like, ah, shit, everybody's counting me out. Yeah. But part of you said, I'd like to defy the odds and I'm going to chase them with a bow anyway. I know I would. Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. You know, I'm working class bow hunter. I didn't want to be the dude to come out there and wax one with a rifle the first day. It just wouldn't feel right. You know, um, <laughs> that's a good fucking but, you know, bow hunter in your podcast name. You're kind of like, damn it. I have to, I just, it's not even a choice. Well, well, to be honest, like, I think guns are cool and everything, but I didn't have an interest at all in picking one up. But at the same time, you know, I'm there with loophole, you know, they make binos and rangefinders, of course. And, um, but you know, they're known for their rifle scopes first. So it was one of those things. It's like, I'm not going to like, they, they put me up on this hunt. I'm not going to be the dude that's like, nah, I'm not going to shoot one with one of your scopes. Nah, I'm, but you know what I mean? I didn't want to be like that either. So 
I hunted for half the hunt with my bow and uh, just grinded it out. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Um, I patterned one up. We did a whole podcast on it. It was like a three-hour recap podcast, but I ended up getting getting real close to one. I was with um, – I don't know how how much you guys follow fishing, but I was with Brandon Polinick. He's a big uh, tournament bass fisherman. He, from what I learned, he's the Michael Waddell of bass fishing, and I learned this on the hunt talking to him because I don't follow fishing, so – I'm like realizing how big this dude up. I kind of like Googled him on the side of my phone to see if he was telling the truth. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's like the biggest fisherman on the planet right now. And, uh, <laughs> but he filmed me bow hunting. Um, I had a buck come in at 40 yards. We patterned him up. It was perfect in this like pinch point, And we were behind a juniper tree and I drew back and it was anchoring, getting ready to let it go. And then I had a doe behind us bus and they all ran off. Um, it's all on film. He'll, he'll end up uh, getting me the footage here soon, so I'll end up sending it to you guys. But they had a real close call, and then after that, I was like, hey, Kurt, you want to try this rifle? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I really want to chase it. They're like, dude, you might not ever come back to Oregon. It's going to be tough to get in on another one after spooking them. And I'm like, well, let me shoot it first and see, like, if I can even do it, you know. And uh, – <laughs> So we went back to camp. It was a 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, shot it a couple times. And, you know, I've shot guns before, but it's been, I mean, years since I shot a rifle, like years. Sure. And, man, I've never yeah. killed anything with a rifle. Um, and I don't know if he was just trying to make me feel really good, Brandon, but he's like, damn, dude, you can shoot a rifle pretty good. Like, that's, I bet you it's your archery <laughs> skills. It's like bleeding over into that. So right. I think he was trying to prep me up so I felt good about it, you know. Um, six, but we went after it for like, oh, yeah, go ahead, yep. you go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm rambling. Uh, it's a nice rifle to shoot, especially for a guy that doesn't shoot a lot. Um, it's a nice mild cartridge, but it has really awesome ballistics. So it's a great rifle for a guy to, to pick up and shoot because the recoil is not ugly on it. I mean, you could probably attest to that. Your shoulder probably wasn't hurting too bad after shooting it. Yeah, no. I, first thing I said after I shot it, I was like, that is smooth. Like, yeah, and of nice. course, you know, Browning sent out some badass rifles, you know, and it was like, oh. I don't know how much a rifle it was, but it was top of the line. Um, yeah, it wasn't like, a cheap sweet. gun. I saw pictures of that, that rifle. That's a, that's a pretty sweet rifle. I own an old A-bolt rifle, and it's... Uh, I thought it was a nice rifle back then, you know, when I bought it. And that's the next level rifle for Browning, the one you shot, the X-Bolt. That's very cool. Oh, hey, cool. Yeah, I had no idea what it was. Do you want to sure. take a call from, uh, it looks like we got Jimmy Civil. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but that's what it says. But it's a 262, so Lake Geneva, but he says he's calling from uh, Pittsburgh, Ohio. Let's bring him in. Well, I, haven't, I haven't done this in a long time. Oh, he dropped off. My bad. Uh, let's call him back. See if we can get him back on. The he changed his mind. <laughs> yeah, maybe he did. Yeah. Well, actually, I think we fleshed out a, a, a fleshed out a, um, a prankster. So we'll see. If, I don't think this guy's a prankster. Oh, okay. local area, good, but every now and again, like, you know. I won't oh, honestly know someone's pranking. Oh. Hey, is this uh, is this Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Hey Jimmy, you're live on the Where to Hunt podcast with uh, Eric. Yeah, Eric I was I was just listening to that last fellow's uh, conversation about his uh, deer hunt with the uh, the bow and mule deer. I, it just reminded me of this time. You know, I paid all that big money to go hunt with Ted Nugent, right? And 
I tell you what, I didn't get more than six hours in. We were sitting at the camp. Dude tried to give me a reach around. <laughs> oh, look at that. You are a prankster, Jimmy. No shit. <laughs> Fucker. I didn't hear what he said. He oh, said he got he a reach said, around from uh, that Ted Nugent. Gave him a reach around. That's, That's a pretty weird. good prank call. Oh, That's sweet. Awesome, Can you believe it? We get I'm prank not calls. mad at that. <laughs> I'm not you get a reach around from old Uncle Ted and you take it. Yeah, Jimmy's getting blocked forever, fucker. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man, don't ruin my shit. Anyway, yeah, man, I guess you can't, you kind of got to uh, take of that time, on you know, if you're going to put the number on. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing is, I got all of their back. numbers. So, I, Jimmy, I have your number, man. So, just post it all. And yeah, right. Go. I'll just stick the freaking the audience on them. Just register it on like a sex offender awareness Facebook page and let all the people <laughs> call him and bash his ass. Came <laughs> over for you, Jimmy. Probably not even his name. Probably like, probably like Gary or something. Yeah. That's what I would do. I would just be like, all right, call in. We'll grab your numbers, and we'll, uh, you're really going to regret it. <laughs> hey, I can get Steve to have some ideas to post numbers. Ooh, that's that great. You know, fun. we should just give Steve all of the pranksters' numbers that we've collected over the last year and let him do a freaking fun skit on that. It would be. Oh, That'd dude, be you would have no idea. Steve, Steve would have some ideas on what to do with some freaking phone numbers, man. He's got – I mean – Something just to get people real good, but that's funny. I'm not mad at that actually. That was that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, well, so they're funnier than Steve. I guess we have our own comedian. They just they're just out there. It's always a sexual thing. It's like Sasquatch touched me. It's always something weird. Perfect. Had one. We had one that was like a porno dubbed over talking about donkey punching. Yeah, but they, they they're like contextual pranksters, so they're always like going to lead you in. Like they're like, oh yeah, I just I was hunting with some buddies, and then. And then, and then they drop the hammer. It's like, damn it, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't funny. even know where they come from. I have no idea. Oh, these people. Finding it's probably, uh, oh. yeah, the you're, probably a, a pretty good, you're probably getting a weird niche group of, uh, I'm not going to put them on blast on here. They're, we rip on a lot of people on our show, so that's probably exactly who's calling in the prank. Maybe it was some of your guys. Yeah, maybe it's your fault. Never know. <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> All right, so Neil Deer in, in freaking Oregon. How was the scenery there, man? I bet you it was incredible. Oh, dude, it was nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. Everything you'd ever want, you know. It had it all. It was. Uh, I mean, just it, pretty the much weather? the best way to was describe it, it for. Or... What's that? What was the weather like? Sorry, I totally interrupted you. I'm really good at that. Yeah, you're excellent, Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, let the man speak. It was warm at first, and then it got cold, uh, pretty cold, cold and clear for the most part. And then the last couple of days, it was raining. Like, I killed my mule on the last day of hunting, and it was like I got up that morning, and I had the, the rifle at this point, and it was just pouring rain, and I'm like, oh, man. And uh, everybody out there that had experience was telling me, like, man, they're going to lay up in these junipers, and we're going to have to find them bedded. And um, we got a break in the rain, and we basically hustled. Uh, hustled into this one spot. One, the, like the last spot we hadn't been in this in the unit I had, and uh, we spotted some does feeding down in this bottom, and we were glassing for like ten fifteen minutes. And it's uh, it was me. I got Gordy was our guide. We were with uh, Lucas Burt from Loophole, and then Brandon was with us. He was filming, and I had the rifle, and we were sitting there glassing for like, I don't know ten fifteen minutes, and I'm like, 
oh, shit, what about this buck right here? And we were looking out at like 600 yards with the spotter looking out far, and this buck was bedded at like 275 is what he was at. And it's the last day of the hunt. We're glassing him out, and I'm like, man, I don't know. He's not huge, but I'm gonna, we'll sit and look at him for a minute. And I'm like, ah, should I shoot him? And they're like, dude, that's your call. I'm like, yeah, I know it's my call, but give me a second opinion here, goddammit. <laughs> and we sat and watched him for a while. And uh, I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, I came all the way out here. I've hunted my ass off. Like, I've never killed a mule deer. And there's one laying right there. I'm like, let's do this, man. I'm going for it. And uh, so it's all on film and everything, the shot and, and all that. And um, put it right on him at 275 and just smoked him man and he went up over the hill and crashed right there into the base of a juniper and it was cool man walking up on my first muley out there in the mountains and quartered him up out there and packed him out and it was awesome kurt we're losing you a little bit um maybe the reception's not great step to the right step to the right step to the left any better now yeah 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 did you like go to the basement maybe you don't have no, a I didn't move at all. That's not what you did. Damn it. Stupid technology. I'm studioed up. What, so did you not hear any of that? Or, I, I heard you shot him, but it sounded like a robot was saying it, and then he went up over the, the ridge, and, he, and you got him right there. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. But it was cool, man. First muley, rolled him. That's awesome. So so you now have venison. Out? No, you're, oh, I think good. you're good. So you have venison, you got muley, you got an, antelope. Yep. Yep. I mean, yep. you don't find any groceries for all of this year, right? No, I'm good, man. I actually um, I gave one deer to my brother-in-law, and I donated two deer this year to the uh, local food pantry. So, wow, man, that's good. Good for you. That's great to hear. Are you gonna Are you gonna plant so, like a garden at your new house, and like just fucking live off the land, or what? <laughs> I should. I have a massive garden. I probably could now make a little bit of moonshine. And uh, just grow my own vegetables and like. Let me come to the let me come to the Geyer Ranch, okay? And and yeah. now like, I have a place to sleep, drink, record, eat. Everything's covered. Like we don't got to leave the reservation. We're off the grid. Yeah, yeah. I got actually. I have a I have like a mini vineyard in my backyard, which is weird. But like, I'm honestly thinking about trying to make wine. That would be fun. That'd be a fun hobby. I don't know where you find time for that, with everything you got. Yeah, going on. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> What's the, so that was it. So it was Oregon, and it was uh, South Dakota. South Dakota. South Dakota was, are we missing anything? Illinois. And back to Illinois. And you got some monster fucking whitetail too this year. Yeah, man. I, I had a crazy season, dude. I I got the day my first day in Illinois. I shot two does, and then you know then I chilled out. I got that all out of my system. So then I was buck hunting and um, shot a really nice nice ten pointer. Um, first week in November and then I had a buck that I've known for a few years haven't hadn't really hunted him um but he's just a really unique deer and I had him on the this year he kind of blew up he put on like 30 inches from last year I have one of his sheds and uh I pretty I named him creepy and got a couple pictures of him so I knew he was still alive and the neighbor didn't shoot him and um kind of mapped him out and kind of learned what he was doing through hunting through the season and I made a move uh, first week of uh, December and found out where he was at. I did a hanging hunt and shot him two hours later. So it was like the craziest, craziest hunt ever to 
to go after my target buck and be able to put an arrow in them. And it was cool because my wife knew the deer, um, you know, because I named him. He was so unique that we I was slowly becoming obsessed with them um, as much as I w- would have at the time before I killed him. I didn't want to admit that um, because I didn't want to be heartbroken if, like, the neighbor got him or something like that. But um, I just moved in. It worked out, and and I got him. It was It was really cool. That's pretty crazy you were able to execute like that so swiftly. And you were all mobile most of the year? Yeah, yep. I hunted out of the warm uh, custom gear stand, and uh, I had an XOP that I kind of jumped in uh, in between the two. But, um, yeah, I shot creepy out of my out of my warm custom gear stand. And, um, you know, as corny as it sounds, I, I really think, like, the reason why I killed that deer is because of that setup. It's just you don't have to think twice about going in somewhere and trying to spot. Sure. And, well, and if you have something that's so versatile that fits just about any tree, you know, the sticks, the stand, everything, um, it, and you get proficient with putting it up, it doesn't take you long. You learn how to be quiet with it, and you're comfortable with how it feels, and, you know, you, you get used to how it feels. Uh, yep. It just makes it all that much easier. I'll tell you that when I went with yeah. Connor in the, in the Driftless region, so Connor, a.k.a. the Whitetail Drifter, he had a lone wolf with him, and I had this, you know, home-baked system my dad had gotten, which is probably, like, top of line for its time. It's still super light, actually. It's a really light, very large stand. I call it the Cadillac because... No, we call it the Widowmaker. Well, I call it the Cadillac, but it's because it's so effing big. Like, I could do jumping jacks on this thing, you know? And uh, so it, it's great for that reason, but, like, it's got, like... um I don't even know what you call it, like this metal clamping setup where once you ratchet around the tree, you like lock it in position. But this metal thing, I didn't Dude, know. Dude, you got your grandpa's safety belt <laughs> on it. <laughs> so I handed it up to Connor, and it's like, clank, 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 clank. And he is just <laughs> a great sport about it, but I could tell he was dying inside. Because this lone wolf was That's like. That's funny, man. Click, click, done, silent. He's like a ninja. And then. <laughs> he's like where's your where's your strap to put around the tree i'm like what strap it's built into the stand it's on it he's like holy shit nope so that's fine <laughs> for me what's like, funny about that get... too is the stand that connor has um i had that stand for a while i let him borrow it before he left uh for his first hunting trip of the year which might have been up in wisconsin or kentucky i can't remember which but i uh that's the third one ever made, I think, and it, that's actually a pre-production stand. So, like, it's not—I will I don't want to say prototype, but it's pre-production. I don't—you know—the coating's not necessarily the same. That's what's on them now, and um, so, you know, that just goes to show you, like, just how much better that system's going to get as time goes on. And then if you paid attention to anything at ATA, like, you can already see it's the DeQuistos are just a step ahead of the game, man. They're they're constantly evolving that that ultimate mobile setup and they're innovative. And, dude. And, you know, like it seems, it seems like he can't help himself. He looks at something and like I, it's like a gift and a curse. I would imagine. Like I can't. Yeah. He probably can't turn it off. Like he's got an no, it. No, I'm sure it like seeps into other areas of his life because he'll look at something and be like, "Yeah, I can make this better," and he does. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing. A, just it's the mentality that they have. Yeah, oh yeah, it's fascinating sitting between like Andre and Cody because they're both they both have the same type of like thought process process and like kind of way of thinking, but also like so different at the same time that they'll kind of clash in their ideas, but like both their ideas are good. 
So I'm like sitting in between the two of them. I'm like, I can't say a goddamn thing to either one of these guys because everything they're saying, you know, is right. They're, they're the OGs of, of tree stands, you know, that Andre invented what is the ultimate platform today of tree stands. He invented the climbing stick. You know, it's, he changed what, what mobile hunting he's is. Only gone, he's only gone and taken that to the next level. He's improved on it and, and worked at it and molded it again and, and, it's it's better than what it was. The old stuff is still good, and that's what I have is the old lone wolf tree stand and sticks. I've been hunting out of it for yeah. probably 10, 12 years now, and yep. I like it. It's good stuff, but they've yeah, got well, nothing but improvement. Well, yeah, absolutely. And with this custom gear setup, like the day I shot uh, Creepy, I knew that buck was bedded in there somewhere. It was the one spot I hadn't really like dove into. And I was like, that's where he's got to be. And then I had some information from the days prior that told me that's, that's where he was at. But I didn't know, I didn't have a, a pinpoint on exactly where he was bedded. I just knew when I was going in, I had to be, you know, in the ultimate stealth mode to get in there, hang the stand with, cause he could be better than 50 yards of where I, I, I set up and where I actually saw him get up. He was probably a hundred yards. Um, and then he got up and then bedded probably 75, got up, walked over, and then bedded 75 yards from me. And I watched him bedded for 45 minutes while I was sitting there. And then he got up and basically, uh, long story short, I, he came up. I got him within 12 yards. Once I got the arrow in him, the direction he ran was right back to where he was bedded the first time around. So I hadn't, I bet you when I set up that stand, he was probably better than a hundred yards from me the entire time. Um, and then got up and I mean, it was a, it was a South wind and there was a shift. So, I mean, maybe that's why he got up and moved a little bit, bit and bedded back down. Um, there were some does in there too. So I, who, who knows what he was actually doing, but he was bedded right there. And, you know, if I would have been in there with a big heavy steel expanded, expanded metal stand, I would have been clanking around and bitching and, and, you know, you know how that goes. Yeah. There would have been, uh, yeah, he he wouldn't have come out. He'd have gone the other way. Yeah, I'm definitely one of yeah, those, like, right. you know, mumbling under the, you know, breath of my own, talking to myself. Oh, the fuck, God, Dude, I heard you for 100 yards while I was walking at the <laughs> swimming at that thing. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. Yeah, okay, so Greg and I did a hunt on a conservancy property together, and I brought that thing, and I was like, I didn't even get up in this tree. I was like at the crest, I was like, I was only six feet high, but it was something. You didn't need to be up that high from where but, you were at. But anyway. it was like, I I need something different. I, homage to this tree stand. It's it's got me a lot of trees. It's great, but it, it's this barrier <laughs> mentally of like, damn it, I don't want to set up. And so what I'll do is I'll just end up hunting off the ground, which then I'm not getting the so advantage. I have to take the filter off and tell you what I really think of that tree stand. Well, be careful, my dad. Listen, <laughs> you know how many deer you killed out of this thing? You know what? I see your dad hunting the ground more than I see him hunting the tree. He hunts the tree every <laughs> other time he hunts rather than gun season. But go on. No, let's hear it. No, nah, it's fine. What do you guys I'll say? What nice. do you guys say about Chuck's stand? <laughs> it's a relic. It is. Yeah. But you know, I could probably do something with some Slayer tape, right? Like I think that could make it go. You're gonna need. You're gonna, you're gonna you know, honestly, yeah. I'm telling you, it's light. It's light as can be. It weighs nothing. For as big as it is, but what whatever. Like, is I'm it? not trying to defend it that much. It's just, it's an old, it's just a API. barrier. Then, it's though. an old API. So I had the bigger version of that, the baby mm-hmm. grand. Yeah. So that thing. Oh, dude, it. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Does it have that T handle that you screw into the tree yeah. and then set it on the T handle? You, you 
good. I have three of those stands, and they're fucking terrible. <laughs> like I literally like the first time I set it up, I damn near fell out of the tree. The thing spun. Yeah, but like it's attached to the I stand. I still had itself, it, right? but like, it still it still mm-hmm. moved, and it wasn't. This is before I even thought of wearing a safety harness or anything. I think it was fourteen when I bought that thing. Yeah, not good. And it's and then so then I you know I was a cheap poor you know I I decided to go back to school at twenty five. So I was a college kid. At 25, and I bought like I went to Menards and I bought a couple like big dog tree stands for 15 bucks a pop. Oh yeah, and those oh, things yeah. are no offense, big dog. I don't think you're a sponsor anytime soon, but not the greatest stands. No. I just did them. Now they're a death trap. There, but they were, they were some sketchy stands, dude. So I've, I've yeah, I'm they are sketchy. Probably have um, not had a lot of advantages based on the equipment that I've used. It's a good thing I got an extra lone wolf you're going to borrow this weekend. See, that a girl. <laughs> Way to take care of take me. Take one for the team. Uh-huh. He's like the best date ever. I mean co-host. That's what I mean. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Careful now. You're going to let everything, all your secrets out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, we got a real good thing going here, the two of us. Yeah. Pour me some more scotch while you're at it. Really? Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I made up a new word last week. I called it Monday. Because Mondays don't end for me, because I do like this thing for the app now, and and then I do this on Tuesdays, so it's just the Monday's day. It's all one day. I appreciate that. You know what I'm talking That's about. That's funny. Oh yeah. For the great. Yep. That's right. The greater good. I'm surprised D-Rock hasn't called in yet. He said you got to put his kids to bed and all that stuff. I'm surprised no one's Brent called in for a second time around. He, no, dude, he, he can't hide that Mexican accent. Like, I, I think I scared everybody off when I told them I was going to put their phone numbers on like a sex offender awareness page. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I hope I hope so because not only have we not got any prank callers, we've also gotten zero callers. <laughs> <laughs> people hate me apparently. Hopefully, there's a little more people watching. I don't know. There's when, like when we're done with the show, we're going to have Kurt say that exact same thing all over again without yeah. cracking. I'm just going to take that and rip it as a recording and we play are gonna it on rip episode. It. It's going to get played right at the beginning of the episode. We are going to take your number <laughs> if you crank us and put you on the sex offender if you, website. If you crank us? Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope we don't get cranked. I don't know what that means. Crank, cranked, whatever. Sounds dirty. Uh, exactly what a sex offender would do. Right? So now this is what happens when the scotch and the, and the blitz lattes start flowing. Um, okay. Dude, I actually, I'm not even I'm not even having a beer on this, to be honest. I, uh, well, I feel like you can put, eight, eight, you can put us on hold and you can go grab one. No, I don't even want to. I uh, ATA show was last weekend, and we just we went too hard, man. We went way too hard. It's, okay. it's it, 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 oh, dude, yeah, it was. It's just you know you see all your friends that you don't get to see all the time. Everybody's in one spot, so it's just kind of overwhelming fun. And then uh, we we have a uh, leak in Nebraska is doing a an outdoor show this coming weekend, which we're gonna have a booth at. So I got to save up all. I got to save up for that, you know. That's yeah. right. You got some, uh, keep some gas in the tank. And you'll, yeah, you'll that's right. Here. Cause oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, cause after that, you know, we have February and then March cranks up and then we have like pretty much a whole tour of like deer classics and outdoor shows that we're doing and we're having a booth there. So, um, if you're going to be at any upcoming shows in the Midwest, we're going to be there with one of custom gear. So. See, I didn't even have to ask the question. You're already on it. Good job. <laughs> those shows, those shows aren't aren't cheap to do either. Like, 
you got to pay to be there. You got to lug your shit out there. You got to set up the booth. You got to commit your time. You got to be physically present the whole entire day. You guys are recording yep. podcasts while you're there. Like, yeah. And then you yep. got to expect the, you got like when we, we chatted at uh deer fest up in West Bend, uh, you had the whole crew up there. So then you're waiting, you might be waiting for some of those guys to get there. You know, everybody has jobs and has to work and trying to get places. So, that's another thing to kind of yeah, somewhat be accountable for them guys. Yeah, it's quite the challenge. So, like for example, like this uh, this Friday, uh, the show starts at three in the afternoon, and you know not all of us can take that many days off work because we have like I don't know ten shows that we're doing this year. So Eric is going up in the morning. Eric and Steve are going up in the morning, setting up the booth, and then me and a couple of the other guys are getting off work and then driving to Nebraska and then meeting everybody at the show. Um, and then, you know, rock it Saturday, Sunday, drive back Sunday afternoon. And then we got a few weeks off before the Iowa Deer Classic out in Des Moines. And uh, luckily that one's pretty close, but it's the same gig, you know, leave, uh, either we get the day off and we go after it or, or we go after work and set up and, and, and enjoy the show. I mean, it's a ton of work, but they're also a lot of fun. Which one's bigger, the Iowa one or the Nebraska one? I would bet Iowa might be bigger, but. Nebraska's brand new this year, so I don't know what it's going to be like. I, uh, I'm i hoping for a really good turnout because it's brand new. Um, but we'll see, man. You know, I, I of course, I want as many people there as possible. Um, it's always more fun that way. But um, I was probably the the bigger one because it's one of the first ones in the Midwest that, that kicks off. Doug Hood just said, from what I understand, Pedialyte comes in a powder form nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I was drinking Pedialyte at ATA. Um, I actually posted a picture of me laying down in the big time booth, and like that looked like a joke, but it was for real. Like I was, uh, I was, I, I was miserable. Well, yeah, man. Like ATA is crazy. It's uh, we, just, we, we learned our it's a shit show. Oh yeah, like we've we've done that before. Like we've learned our lessons, but we just we just don't learn. We're dumb. But you know, it's you're out there with your buddies, you're hanging out, and some people you only get to see once a year. So next thing I know, it's like three to five in the morning when I'm getting back to Airbnb and getting up three hours later to podcast all day long and do it all over again. Ah, that's brutal. So, we'll, we'll um, I'm going to ask you a question from one of the one of the listeners here. Um, Scott no, Clark, Scott asked, Clark, go to hell. <laughs> do you already know? <laughs> is he just poking at you? Like, is that not a thing, or what the? F- yeah, no, he's joking with me because every time he gets on something, we have like this like uh, passive aggressive sarcasm where like we'll be like, oh yeah, you couldn't hunt there unless you could, I don't know, like we'll say like make up shit on the fly, like you got to kayak in fourteen miles and set up your, well, you know, shit like that. So I just I read that as you're getting ready to say it, and I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny, man. Well, you, you oh, know, yeah, he, he's good and you've you've been around the country a little bit. You're getting you're gearing up for trade show season. I mean, like, I don't know, man. I can't remember if you shared your most memorable hunt before. I'm doing really something very special with the memorable hunt. So, like, when when I when I wind you up and release you to tell me your story, we're not going to say a word. Um, I'm just going to let you tell me your story. But if you don't have one for 2019, I want the juicy details. I want the freaking like. It doesn't have to be the kill. It could be some freaking weird component of the hunt or the traveling or the scenery or the whatever it is. Um, 
if you don't have one for 2019 based on everything you did, or if you want to recap it, yeah. um, you can always go yeah, on. Definitely. Well, your... Yeah, well, you know, I've had a all my hunts I remember. I love them and everything like that. But this year, the buck I caught creepy, he, he kind of took it over. And I can go in more detail with, like, some of my history with him. Um, but that definitely right now is I, – I think – you know, I was actually thinking about that. It's, like, one of my favorite bucks and one of my favorite hunting stories. And it is, like, I guess I can go in detail on that. But, you know, the the South Dakota hunt was just such a new experience. And it was more – that was more of a relaxed type hunt. Like, didn't have to get up there and get out in the dark because, you know, you're spotting stock. So you look for them and then you make your move. But um, in Oregon, of course, was memorable because of just how how different it was for a guy from Illinois to be flown to Oregon and thrown out there in that crazy terrain. But um, I don't think anything – right now beats uh, that hunt I had for Creepy and um, some of the history I had. Um, I'm guessing him to be four and a half, uh, but I had some guys that came over and saw him the night I got him back, and they're like, there's no way in hell this buck is four and a half. So from my knowledge, I've known about him for four-ish years. Um, I'm going to have him aged. I I wouldn't be surprised if he was five or six and a half, but – um, if someone was like, Hey, throw a number and throw a hundred bucks with it. I'd be like, he's four and a half. Um, but I had two, two years ago, I was walking through the woods with my bow and I saw this buck walking and I was like, Oh man, I'm like pretty close to that thing. So I did like a little grunt with my mouth, like kind of to see what would happen if he would even do anything, like kind of messing around, um, just out of curiosity. And this buck like looks my direction and starts kind of meandering my direction. And I'm like, what the hell? And he was like real weird looking and his rack was kind of weird and wavy. And I pulled out my phone and started videoing and he's like walking straight to me. And I'm like, okay, he's going to see me and stop and, and run away. But he kept walking and kept walking and kept walking. I'm like, Oh shit, this thing's going to walk right into me. And he gets like probably seven, eight feet from me and he stops and like, you know how when a deer stops, they'll kind of like stomp and then they'll like move their head to get you to kind of move. And he did that. And the way he was acting, he's acting rutted out and kind of almost like something was wrong with him. And his rack was just weird and his eyes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like he was possessed in a way that sounds really dumb. I'll send you the video. I have it all on video. And he gets really close to me. And he starts, he did that stomp thing. He's looking at me and I basically said, okay, that's close enough. And like waved my bow at him and spooked him off. Cause I'm like, you know, if I'm going to go, that'd be a cool way to die. You know, like that'd be the, the the cool story. Like, yeah, you got mauled by a buck, but I wasn't trying to have it, have it happen by a two year old buck. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So I spooked him off and then I ended up getting some trail cam pictures of this buck. And, and honestly, if he would have been any other deer, like any, like a different, just a normal rack and, normal shape to his to his body and his look to his eyes i would have basically forgot about this deer but because of like the story of, of that happening and how weird he looked and his eyes were like blacked out his head and his, his hide was like weird colored so i honestly thought for he was an inbred um and it <laughs> sounds crazy but i didn't know like what to make of it like i could pick that deer out of a crowd no antlers, just by the his body, just by his look. And what I did, I ended up naming him Creepy. 
and I would everywhere I would go, I would see that deer pop up. Like, but he was a small buck, so it wasn't, he wasn't really like worth talking about. Like, I wasn't going back and telling like all my big buck killer buddies about him. Like, I told him the story and shit like that. But, um, but basically showed my wife, and she's like, "That deer's cool. That'd be cool if that could be my first buck," you know, because she was wanting to get into hunting at the time, and so. I basically kind of forgot about that deer after that season. And then the following year I got a few trail cam pictures of him and he, he got a lot bigger. Like he was kind of the deer that would, uh, basically at this point would be like, man, if he comes by, like, I'm going to have to think about it. You know, that might, that might test me a little. And I actually didn't see him on the hoof all season. I probably got four pictures, four pictures, pictures of him hard horn a couple of them in velvet, and then I found his shed. And it was like, you know, he still kept that wavy, knotty, weird look to him, um, to his antlers. And he kind of held that weird look to his body, too. Like, he was very easy to pick out of a lineup. And so I'm like, wow, Creepy's back, and he's a little bigger, and that's pretty cool, you know? So um, he's on the radar now a little bit. Like, what's he going to turn into? Um, for what I thought he would be a four-year-old and you know I'm doing all these other crazy hunts and moved and have a new baby so I'm a little distracted and I get back in the season check my trail cameras that I had out over the summer and there's creepy the same spot and but this year he's big he's probably got 30 inches on from last year when I would have been like ooh, I might shoot him that'd be a tough one but this time on his right side, he's got a split two and a split three, but he's still got the wavy, knotty, like almost like half melted look to his rack. He's dark chocolate at this point, and he's got that heavy body, like he's big look to creepy? his body. You know, I he I didn't think so. He he like was starting to look more normal, but like it was no doubt him by the look of his body and his head and everything. It was just. There was no doubt it was him. And I'm like, wow, like he's really exploded into this really cool buck. Let's see if I even spot him. Because the year prior, it wasn't like I was going to try and hunt him down. You know what I mean? Um, it was more like if if by chance he walked by, I'd have to think about it. But this year I'm kind of like, shit, i got to start thinking about uh, going after this deer. Um, and then didn't see him. Or, and I had very sporadic trail cam pictures of him. Um, shot my first 10-pointer in November and still hadn't seen Creepy up to this point. But, but what's funny, I went back and checked some trail cameras that I kind of overlooked, and there's three pictures that I have pictures of Creepy in and the 10-pointer I shot. So wow. the 10-pointer the t- the I shoot in November is in three pictures together, like first week of October, with creepy while I was in Oregon What's the and uh, I didn't name him. I didn't really like, he was just a, a nice 10 pointer. You know, it's, I don't really name deer, man, unless they're real unique. Um, Cause then I sound like every other doing the outdoor channel calling it the, the palm pine 10 or whatever vanilla. the fuck. We'll just call him vanilla. <laughs> vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> vanilla. Okay. We'll go with that. He's, I mean, he's a great buck, man. I, I got both the racks sitting in here side by side and, you know, he's close to the size of, of Creepy. He's just not as, uh, he's just not as, uh, he doesn't have the same, like, all the character and all that. Um, tickled to death, I'd shoot him all over again. He's 150, like, a real solid 10-pointer, really, really happy with him. 
Um, but I had an encounter. Uh, so going back, it was Black Friday. <laughs> so I went out the same spot that I had shot my 10, and I look over out in the field, and uh, I see this buck coming across, and I have my truck parked over there, and this buck is walking towards my truck. And from a distance I see him, I'm like, dang, I, he was probably like 600 yards. And I could see the silhouette of his rack. I'm like, ooh, that's a nice buck. Like, that buck is, if that buck's a 10, he could be Boone. And I put my binos up and I'm looking. I'm like, is that creepy? Holy shit. Like, then he comes straight. He's walking to me and he's still like three, 400 yards out. But it was crazy. He's walking straight at me. Then I have like complete confirmation. Like, that is creepy. There he is. But between his rack, as he's walking to me, my truck is parked in the background, like just perfectly lined up between this rack. So it was kind of like just a weird thing to see. I don't know. It was just something you just, I didn't expect to see. Like hadn't seen that buck in a year, was going to start thinking about him. And then there he is right by my damn truck. Um, one of those weird he worked towards me. To go for a ride in it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. It was weird. Oh, and he did and, uh, a nice truck right there. I think I'm going to take a ride in that truck later today. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah if I'm going to die, I'll go for a ride in that truck. And then, uh, so he worked his Pretty way out in the middle does. of this field. <laughs> right. Sorry, sorry. <clears throat> he worked his way out in the middle of this field, and there was some does and some smaller bucks in there, and he basically bumped every other buck off there. And I hit him with a grunt and snort wheezed at him. And he got interested and kind of did the look and kind of calmed down and went back to going to check some does. And so I threw another snorties at him and he stopped and looked again. And I'm like, man, he's, he's real interested in this. Like he's uh, definitely not going to put, put up with it one more time. If I can time it right. He went back to chilling and, and started to get interested in the does again. I hit him with another snorties and he just like, that's it came beeline straight towards me. He came to, in, at this point, of course, he's going to circle down wind because he wants to smell who the hell's yelling at him. Comes in at 35 yards facing me, and I can't shoot him. And he wins me and busts me and blows off into the timber. And I honestly thought that was going to be the last time I saw him. Uh, like, I, it was. just I was like, all right, that, that's done. We'll have to pull back and regroup. I didn't want to bust him onto the neighbors during, during firearm season. So I kind of was came home kicking my own ass a little bit and kind of, you know, I mean, and honestly, I was trying to make myself feel better. I'm like, well, if he's, if he does what he has done in the past next year, he'll be a, a super giant, you know, if, if he keeps doing, keeps, keeps on this trend, you know, well, it would have been, I think December 8th, December 8th. I, I basically went in, I got a trail cam picture of him the day before and I was, I was really sick. Wasn't feeling well. Um, went out hunting. Actually, no, scratch that. I lied. I was at a Christmas party and got a trail cam picture of him. And I was sicker than a dog. Didn't even want to go hunting. Got up, slammed, (laughs) took some Sudafed, slammed a giant cup of coffee and just forced myself to go hang a stand where I thought he was at. But which ironically enough is where he came out of the day that he ended up busting me. So he kind of gave away like where he was living and I was just kind of like timing out like my move, which was going to be after firearm season, you know, cause I didn't want the neighbors to shoot him. Mm-hmm. Well, this, when I got a picture of him, the reason why I was at this Christmas party and was kind of chilling, it was second firearm season in Illinois. So I was just hoping stay out of there. Don't push him over to the neighbors. 
and we'll just be okay. If he gets it through, gets through second firearm season, we'll be all right. So I throw my orange. You can firearm hunt. Uh, you can bow hunt during firearm season if you have a firearm tag in Illinois now. Um, that changed a few years ago. So I throw all my orange, do the hanging hunt while I'm feeling like shit, and then that's when earlier when I mentioned how he popped up out of his bed and then bedded back down and watched him for a little bit. And then I had some does working down the draw. So the does are working their way into the wind. He gets up to check the does, not interested, and he, like, completely dropped his guard, walked to me with the wind at his back, which almost never happens on a buck like this. And he came into 12 yards. I drew back, and I did a hanging hunt straight up. I didn't trim nothing. I had two shooting lanes. Uh, the main lane I set up for, he shot right past. It didn't even go into it. And I had like a two-foot shooting lane, and I grunted at him and stopped him and shot him at 12 yards. And he ran off, and I heard him. Cr- I thought when I heard him crash, it was getting dark. So what I did is I got down, and I went over like just 10 yards, found my arrow that was broke off my light and knock, and I look up. And on this hillside, which is where he was bedded, I can see his just belly shining way out, like probably 75, 80 yards um, from where I was standing. And I basically called my wife and was like, creepy's dead. Like, it's done. The chapter, or the book is closed in Dude, the chapter. So and, uh, I was just thinking this is a lot like a book. Like, this is like the the book is done now. Like, so sorry. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, dude, it was nuts. Like, it was one of those things I couldn't believe it because I was, you know, becoming obsessed with this buck and um, just so curious, like, what does he do? I haven't seen him. I don't know where he is. Like, what do they do? I can't, you know what I mean? It's like, if you don't see him, where are they living? Where's he bedding? What's he doing? So it was cool to kind of figure that out. And then uh, it was also cool. I was messaging all the guys from the podcast crew, which I call the, the WCBOGs, and I was messaging them, like, play by play like he's bedded oh my god I sp- he's bedded over here you know message him that and then the next message was he's dead and uh <laughs> i get get up to him and and i did uh in facebook messenger you can do a video chat and i think like eight people can join the video chat and then i just basically got it from the video chat and and showed them and um we have like the team hanging bang i got on on in our private group there and did a live video like just showing them and I just sat there and stared at him for probably forty five minutes before I even moved him. It was it was it was incredible. So cool, man. Wow. Yeah. It was, is like, it was crazy, man. Like, so I don't think I mean, there's very few that can share a story like that. Where you're following a buck that many yeah. years. I was uh I was really 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 proud to do it and it, you know it's like last I didn't really hunt him last year you know it was just one of those things if I see him and this year I got you know it was like oh shit you know I'm I I do want to go after this deer and um just as the season went on I just I had so there's so much mystery around him that I was just becoming obsessed with him and wanted to get after him but he's a he's a stud man he's a 155 inch mainframe eight with a split two and a split three. Very cool. Awesome. You got to post them in the comments, just for for those folks that had popped in here. They can take a take a look at them. Are you gonna put them up in the new in the oh, new yeah. studio? 
Um, yeah, either in there or out in the living room, man. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Um, I'm going to mount both the bucks I shot this year, and um, all my buddies are trying to get me to do a pedestal for them, like a Ford pedestal. Um, and because his, whack is, his rack is so uh, wavy and knotty and just really just full of character and really unique, um, you know, I had some people suggest to do like a real crazy knotted and twisted like wood base and then putting them out on there to kind of like, you know, show his rack off a little more with it. Yeah, a pedestal um, at the right height. I actually have a buddy that builds pedestal mounts for a, a, a taxidermist around my area and he does a pretty interesting stuff hmm. maybe i'll have to get in contact with them man i um uh, i haven't decided i'm kind of like the guy that's like well i if i i can't have too many pestles because what am i going to do with that 200 incher i kill in 10 years i you know there you go i just or next year for i that just uh, right i'm just trying to think like big all the time or as big as i can but you know with a story like that and such a, a deer that's just so unique it's you know, I think it's definitely justified the space. Sure, that's cool, man. I'm happy to. I'm happy for you. I think you definitely deserve it. You know, you've you've put in the time, you put in the effort. You know, like you've done something great with the working class bow hunter brand. You've inspired so many hunters. You did the shoot. We got to hang out last summer. That was a ton of fun. Like you've just done so much. I think it was a great year for you. I hope. And to think that 2020 is going to be just as big, if not bigger, if I if I know you at all, I think it'll be bigger. Yeah, especially well, thanks, man. But yeah, man, yeah, thank you. But I I don't know how this year gets topped. I really don't. It it's it's <laughs> best hunting season of my life. Say that now, best man. Just wait, just wait. You know, uh, I thought that for I thought that the last two years in a row, and every fucking year it gets weirder. <laughs> More happens. So yeah. I mean, more doors for opportunity open up, like the more people you meet, the more you grind and stay consistent at what you do. And, um, you know, if you just keep at it, I mean, I, I could have the best year of my life next year, but I just, I'm not really thinking about that right now. I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, I daydream every day about last season. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. I appreciate you sharing that story with us and, and taking time out of your busy ass schedule to be on the show, especially coming out of the ATA and, Hanging out on the Wear Hunt podcast. We got to get you here in our studio. We got to come to your studio. I think that's going to happen this year. Uh, at least Agreed. one of those ways is going to happen. Maybe not, if not both. So um, for sure, we'll stay in touch. But dude, let people know how they can get in touch with Working Class Bowhunter, just in case. You know, I, we have some crossover listeners that maybe haven't caught you yet. Which I would be shocked. It's got to be the other way around. Everyone, no one knows about me. Everyone knows about you. But. Um, What's the website? You know, how do people listen? Where should they go? What should they be doing? How can they support you and the brands you support, et cetera? Yeah, workingclassbowhunter.com or everywhere podcasts are available. And if you really want to support us, the best way is just buy a shirt or a hat from our website. We have all our uh, we have a little online store there, and uh, just check us out. That's a uh, good enough to support us. That's your um, freaking bottle opener that I use on the daily here. I got hats, which I think Greg's worn several times. I got the, you know, you can't trip into 150 class. We got the koozies. Dude, we're, we're more working class decked out here at the Where to Hunt podcast than Where to Hunt decked out. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate that a lot. Thanks so much. I'm going to end the live. I really appreciate everybody it. Everybody that, that tuned in, dude, thanks so much for, for, for checking us out and watching along. I'm going to end the live session, and uh, this will be up in podcast land 
tonight, this evening. So uh, it'll just be a little while before I get it all buttoned up and all that stuff. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good night. All right. The tip of the week this week is... I guess my takeaway from this one is to be consistent. One of the things Kurt said is you, he consistently did a podcast for the last five years. Uh, we here at the Where to Hunt decided to be consistent in 2019. And uh, you can kind of see where the Working Class Hunter, Working Class Bull Hunter podcast is at and kind of hopefully maybe where we're going. But, you know, in, ser- in terms of being consistent as a hunter, what can you consistently do? every year um, or season I, th- I say year because there's a lot of off-season stuff that happens but what are some consistent things you can do as a hunter um, to kind of build upon and compound some things to really make a big difference in your hunt I don't know what that is specifically I guess I'm kind of putting it out there to, to ask everybody that listens um, but if there's something you, I, I don't even mean like consistently kill big bucks I mean like what are you gonna do consistently as a, as a small task to level up your hunting are you going to consistently look for a new land every Monday? Are you going to consistently glass for deer every two, whatever it is, what are you going to consistently do this year to change your hunt? Or what have you been consistently doing? Are you consistently hanging and trek and checking trail cams? Are you consistently, you know, trying to walk a certain, you know, um, range into the forest? What are you doing consistently or what do you want to do consistently this year that is going to make an impact so you can consistently put down mature bucks? Um, my tips of the week are terrible. <laughs> my tip of the week is be consistent. Be consistent with something. Pick something and, st- and stay super consistent with it. That's my tip of the week. Thanks for uh, tuning in this week, everybody. I appreciate it. And uh, if you can give us a, a rating and review, that means a ton. We like that a lot. And uh, I'm public. <laughs>